Hey everyone, you're now part of the B2B Power Hour and I'm your host, Nicholas Dickett. I'm Morgan Smith. We help sales professionals power up their sales skills from first touch to revenue, one hour at a time. Join us for weekly live shows and interviews with industry experts breaking down what works and what doesn't in the remote sales era. Now, on to today's episode. Morgan, 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 it is Friday. That means it's time for B2B Power Hour. Guys, we are so happy to see all of you and for such a <laughs> controversial topic. I can't oh. tell you how many questions I've had in the DM <laughs> since we posted this one. So uh-huh. get ready to go and fire those questions in the comments. And I feel like we need to have just as epic of a question of the day just to get this rolling. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're here, drop a hi in chat. We'd love to say hi back to you. Like, uh, welcome to the BDB Power Hour. Question of question of the day. Do you have one? <laughs> I don't have a bell. I don't. Oh, so <laughs> when you're on your rants, I need to have a bell to go and cut you off. <laughs> Time's up, uh, Morgan. <laughs> what is the most? So either at a coffee shop or out in like a store, what is the weirdest way somebody has interrupted you? Ooh, what a great question. Like, what's the weirdest way somebody has interacted with you in person? I feel like the uh, pandemic has really introduced some very interesting scenarios. <laughs> what's So everyone who's here who's dropping comments, drop your most interesting story about somebody interrupting you in person. What was I that saw a like? funny one at the grocery store the other day. Okay, yeah. This guy walked up to this girl and he's like, you're from TikTok, right? And she got red face and just ran. <laughs> Might have been from the other side of TikTok. I'm oh, not yeah. Sure. I, was about to, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many sides to that app. <laughs> Lila, I have no in-person interactions. LOL. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I've had some like, I don't know if I've had some weird like first part encounters, but like people... Like there was this dude who was definitely on something at a coffee shop, uh, in this is a number of weeks ago, and he was trepid. He was not in the right state of mind, so that was a very interesting interaction. He was kind of in his own plane, but I'm trying to think of what. I think I approached me at Home Depot and sell me something. Really? <laughs> yeah, I was looking at outlets, and he's like, "I have a." commercial pack that I'm just not going to use from a job site that I just got off. Do you want them? <laughs> Actually, you know what? Sure. <laughs> he just gave them to me. Yeah. Saster provided some excellent in-person interactions. The weirdest ways of getting pitched. You had some weird ones. I had some weird ones. There were guys who would just like step in front of us and launch into a pitch or like ask a really obnoxious question. I had one interaction over a kombucha station, I think, where he pretended not to know what kombucha was to start a conversation. And then I later learned he knew what it was. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, is there no other way you can open up this conversation? Like, what? I loved when we're walking around and people grabbed me and like physically stopped me (laughs) mid stride. And you're like, so what do you do? It's like, was that really (laughs) weird? It's like, no. Does that ever work? No. Mm -mm. That's that's about the comparable of like grabbing somebody at a coffee shop and be like, you're beautiful. Marry me. Right. Like, what are you doing? What? (laughs) No. But even, yes. Anyways, (laughs) 
<sighs> Although, I, who was it? In Taniella. Uh, somebody had a really interesting oh, Zoom stories. I'm like, yeah, that could be an interesting one. Well, oh, that. gosh. I've had only one Zoom meeting. This is early on in the pandemic that was like Zoom bombed or whatever it was called, where somebody like just randomly got into the meeting. But <laughs> safe. That has worked before statistically. Sure. Uh, <laughs> there's a reason things stop working, though, too. Yeah. Anyways, how to properly pitch slap on LinkedIn. And I think today, though, Nick, we're not just going to be talking about pitch slapping. We're also going to be talking about all sorts of direct outreach on social. And I think the question that I struggle with and that the sellers we talk to a lot also struggle with is when do you actually go direct? Yeah. When does it make more sense mm-hmm. to go direct? Mm-hmm. So where do you want to start, Nick? How would you begin answering that question? I think the hardest part when you answer that question is, it was like my post this morning about the tow truck. If I interrupt you, what would be worth thanking me for? So if we think about the end result, Mm. if I shot you a message, what would be good enough that you would say thank you? Mm -hmm. Somebody's towing my truck and somebody interrupts me at an in-person networking event and says, hey, is that your car out there? Oh, yeah, uh, they're towing it right now. Thank you so much for letting me know. Like, Because what would have happened if they would have sent me, you know, started commenting or sent me an email or took it nice and slow? What would have happened? Mm-hmm. The pain would have, well, wouldn't have expired. It would have intensified and it would have been too late. <laughs> and so really, what is too late that has an immediate impact? And this plays to social psychology as well, because we want naturally now want to see what's going to happen right away. What is the immediate impact? Mm-hmm. So we are, we'll naturally push off the long-term wins in order for that short-term gain. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so this gets really tough because now we got to think about what problems show up that we can fix quickly or creates that interesting conversation enough that they lean in and ask they want more. Well, and I think the problem that we see most is that people who pitch slap, generally speaking, have no good reason to reach out. And good reason is actually a complicated idea. What is a good reason to reach out? Well, one, as Nick just identified, there's pain. They're experiencing a problem. You're very confident they're experiencing. Because a lot of sales is an assumption. It's a hypothesis that you're testing. You know, you have your data points. You have the, you look at an account and you say, okay, it looks because they have this job description, or they just went through this growth phase, or their CEO just announced this, whatever, about the company, that then you can basically have an assumption. And that assumption is, okay, I think that this company is experiencing this pain. And then your outreach is validating that pain. So pain is one. But two is also timing. If you've been to the B2B Power Hour before, Nick's, where's my catchphrase button? Pain has an expiry date, right? Pain doesn't last forever. I was sick a couple of weeks ago. If there was a cure for what I had during that time I was sick, hell yeah, I would have taken it. Sadly, it was a virus, so it, there wasn't really much of a cure. But now that I'm healthy, I don't have the need of the cure. I'm no longer experiencing the pain. So pain plus timing. And there's some other stuff, but the pitch slap that I see that's done really poorly, that we receive, that all of you here receive, that our prospects receive, is not just from a messaging perspective problematic, it's also from a, like a strategic sense problematic that 
the seller or the person doing outreach has not identified why today versus why 60 days from now. This has been a really useful mental model for me, which is, do I have a good reason to talk to this person today compared to 60 days from now? Well, even even breaking out even simpler is you're assuming they know. Right, right. <laughs> so like I get pitched all the time and it's like, this is this sales intelligence software or this is this uh, email tool or it's yeah. this. And don't get me wrong, I've had some really good ones and some really conversational tones that really stood out. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the time they're assuming I know there's a problem. and so. A, it can come across really insulting, and other times it's just not relevant. It'd be like me doing an email sequence for people that are have the flu. Yeah. So out of a million people I email, how many people are going to find that relevant? Well, wouldn't it be better off to go and find triggers or symptoms that I can find through technology to only reach out to those people that have shown like somewhat, like whether it's a full hand raise, you know, like they're on their way of raising their hand? Mm-hmm. Well, and I also think we have to keep in mind that the bar on social is a lot higher. Like these principles work on whatever channel. This same stuff could apply if you're calling or if you're emailing, but the bar on social is a lot higher because people don't like getting pitched on social. So back to the tow truck example, what is that moment? I like thinking about this as the Princess Leia prospects, okay? That they're going to be a small chunk, a small percentage of your total list because the timing is right that are princess leia prospects help me obi-wan kenobi you're my only hope that's pain that's timing right do i have a reason and what is that reason to talk to that person today because the you know nick the thing that frustrates me the most and we haven't even touched on messaging but the thing that frustrates me the most as a buyer as somebody who receives pitch slaps is it's extremely clear the seller has, the only reason they're reaching out to me is because they think I have money to buy their product or service. That's it. No, it's even simpler than that. They have prioritized themselves and their quota over you. And what happens, and this, it is very evident in how they pitch too, because it's, Mm -hmm. we are ranked number one on G2. We just rounded, (laughs) raised a billion and a half thousand dollars. You know, we're the most amazing of amazing of amazing you need to buy. It's assuming a lot. But we don't, if I knew that I needed a solution, that's useless at the start because I would have went and done something about it. Or they're really hoping and praying that I'm too busy to have done something about it. So I'm just sitting there eagerly waiting for somebody to go and, you know, ring me up on the phone. But the reality is we like to gossip. We like to talk about our problems and it's because we don't understand it yet. Mm. So why do we do that with colleagues? Well, sometimes we just want to get off our chest. Other times like proper discovery. It's because we want to build clarity to really understand what the problem is so that we can fix it. And when we default to why you, you Mm -hmm. missed why change and why now. And this Mm -hmm. is why most pipelines are suffering right now is because nobody clarified the why change, why now and -hmm. built a compelling reason that's conversational, not the one hit wonder. Because my God, if there was... If we weren't human and we didn't have emotions, you know, maybe there would be one magic DM. Maybe there would be one magic phrase. But we're human with emotions. And emotion is what drives us to act. And then we justify later with logic. Mm-hmm. So why change? Why now? Can't answer those. Why you doesn't matter. And Clemence added a good comment is the worst part is when they send you a reminder. Oh, God, I hate that too. 
<laughs> I just wanted to follow up to see if you know you yeah. want to book a free meeting to figure out how amazing we are. It's like, oh, spare no. me. <laughs> no, thanks. But this is the difference in what Nick is pointing out. You're messaging the way that you are articulating, the way that you are approaching the conversation is not about some amazing thing in your product, amazing thing in your feature set. It's about the timing and the pain. It's about why change, why now? Because if you have those reasons, that can articulate that messaging with much greater clarity. Danielle, yeah, mm -hmm. that's a great question. Danielle says, when you can't find out whether they're struggling with the problem you solve through research, how do you find out without pitch slapping? (laughs) Want to start? Oh, get the marketer's point of view first, and then I'll fix it. I mean, uh, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you're gonna fix my. Okay, so it is my opinion. If you just came to me and Nick wasn't here today. I would say you can't, okay? And I, I think that if you don't know through research, let me add some nuance to this, actually. My brain went in like four directions, so I just stumbled over English. The problem is we don't actually know on any outreach, for sure, 100% certainty, without talking to somebody, whether or not they're experiencing the pain. Yeah. We don't know. It's all assumptions. It's all hypotheses. It's all testing, right? We're all, okay, I, you know, it looks like you're sick. I mean, when we see a doctor, they even say that. They say, it looks like it's this. It looks like it's this virus. It looks like it's this bacteria, whatever. Here's the treatment for it. Okay, so this is a hypothesis that we're testing. So when you can't find out whether they're struggling with the problem you solve through research, maybe pitch slapping isn't the best idea, right? Princess Leia prospects, in my view, are 1% to 3% of your entire list. Like there, it's such a small number of leads that you're going to have high confidence that they're experiencing the pain right now. And that could formulate some more direct outreach, a specific ask. And maybe there's some nuance on this as well. In my book, a pitch slap is a specific ask with a specific CTA likely to book a meeting. You're trying to drive direct action from the first point of outreach. It's like a cold email, basically, but you're using it on social. So uh, in those circumstances, it's going to be a really small percentage. I saw, um, I apologize, your privacy settings don't let us see your username, but somebody else shared sort of a soft opener. I've got to say, I'm not a huge fan of the way that that's articulated, but other CFOs I talk to are dealing with this problem. Would you have interest in sharing your best practices on how you solve for this? puts the onus, that's the phrase, that puts the onus on the prospect to verify the pain instead of having a better conversation. So sometimes instead of pitch slapping, you might want to open up a conversation instead, instead of immediately trying to pitch. I'll get off my soapbox. There's a lot of detail here. Nick, where are you at? So there's something called earn wisdom. Uh Earn wisdom, like a doctor that's been practicing for a while, you can tell that they know what's going on by the questions that they ask. So it's demonstrated expertise through their questions. So sometimes when you can assume, because 80% of the time the people you talk with have some type of symptom, all you're doing in your questions is getting closer to the truth and making them think about something that they have shied away from or just never connected the dots. In challenger speak, it's commercial insight. Mm -hmm. And so what you're doing is you're pointing to something that they can't forget. And I honestly, you can't go wrong when you go and do that. But if we back up and we really think about this is we have to start asking some tough questions about workflow. 
And I think this is what gets missed so often. They're like, how do I know? How do I know? Nobody's going to write in a post. Nobody's going to have it on their website, on their you know top banner, say, we are screwed for growth this quarter. Can you come help us? Save me. <laughs> but what it might show up is they just hired 20% more SDRs. Huh. Well, if they hired SDRs, then maybe they're going and prioritizing top of funnel right now. That's a new trigger. Or their ratio's off. And they don't realize they're about to fall off the cliff because you know they have 52 sellers to one manager. When that happens, based on your experience, that means that they're going to have a retention issue within the next couple months. Mm. And how is that going to affect their growth, even though they're hiring a lot of SDRs? Or they just raised money. What new problems come from raising money? Not more money, more problems, because that's an intent trigger that has failed. Like People just screw up relentlessly. Mm-hmm. The other one is that they hire somebody new. So like you hire enablement. What does that say? If you were picking a menu of what you're trying to solve, that's essentially what the company's doing by writing that job description. Mm-hmm. Is they're telling you what they're solving for. Mm-hmm. So it's pointing to the problems that they think they're solving, or it's showing you symptoms to a problem they haven't connected the dots to yet. And then the hardest part, I actually had somebody reach out to me about this this morning, is what software will allow you to effectively and efficiently track those attributes and triggers. Is it technographics? Is it something on your website? Is it something on a third-party review site? Is it something on social media? Where can we find those symptoms of pain to observe from far away? Mm -hmm. Because we can't be, hopefully we're not close enough to see everybody cough and you're like, I think they have the flu. I should go ahead and text them now. (laughs) But this is that step back. And the way you can do this And it's a great exercise of the team is who owns that workflow? So who gets the call in the middle of the night when it's not working? Mm -hmm. That specific workflow that your product or service touches on. Who's doing the work? What titles do they have? What is their specific role in that workflow? What are they responsible for? With that workflow, who's impacted by it? So if we have a bad targeting and bad SDRs that aren't great at qualifying and prospecting, AEs are going to be annoyed, or if marketing is throwing out garbage leads, SDRs and you know sales is going to hate market. Like it's all these things, but these are narratives. You're telling a story by understanding how it shows up. Mm-hmm. And so as you're diving through and working through the workflow, because you're if you're selling software to fix a problem, but there's no workflow established, that's a scary place to be. So what is that workflow? And workflow in the prospects company, just to be clear about this, not not in your own company, in the prospects company. If you use, like, if you think of prospecting, you build a list. Hopefully you prioritize it. Hopefully. You figure out what personas you should be talking to. Mm-hmm. You understand what those personas, that workflow associated, and how it's going to change their company. And so you look for signs. So you'll have your messaging based on that. You'll figure out what challenges are the, or the, what channels. Oh my God. I was like, I don't even know what you're going for here. So I couldn't help. (laughs) What channels are the best way to get in front of them? And you start your contact strategy. Mm -hmm. That's your workflow. So where could software fit in there? Where could there be a sign of a problem? Well, you know, our AEs are having an 8% closing rate. Huh, I wonder if it's because your prospecting sucks. Mm -hmm. But these are the, don't say that, please. But like, this is the things you have to think about is you got to go back. And if this, if this is a problem, then this should show up. So you're leading with earned wisdom, with assumptions. You do this enough times. And really, all the companies I've ever worked at, there's two to three openers 
of course you can sell more after because you're going to get in there. And once you're trusted, you'll get more information, mm-hmm. especially when you're doing your discovery, right? Mm-hmm. But there's usually one thing, that key, the magic key that opens the door for you to have a better conversation. Mm-hmm. And so what are those symptoms of a problem that we can find from far away to open the door? So I don't want us to get lost in this rabbit hole too much because there's actually a really important point, And this sort of been dropped in chat, some questions or comments. Competitively speaking, if you pitch slap in a certain way, or I mean, let's even step out of pitch slapping and let's just talk direct outreach. If you do direct outreach on social in a certain way, people will perceive you to be a spam artist. And that's because there's a lot of automation tools and there's a lot of pitch slapping and spam artistry already out there. So the question is also, how do you reach out effectively to these people? How do you articulate it in a way that makes sense? And there are some questions about like opening up conversations on this. Here's the thing. Having a good conversation is, I hope, pretty straightforward. Like we, I believe most of us do this on our day-to-day pretty naturally. We have good conversations with people. We somehow, and I don't know, Nick, if this is like a seller thing, and maybe this is me being the marketer, and I'm like, what's going on here? But it seems like when we get into a sales conversation, we forget all of the basic fundamentals, all the basic principles of just having a good conversation. And we get tongue-tied because we're trying to sell. We're trying to get the meeting. We're trying to close the deal. It's survival mode. Mm-hmm. And the other thing to keep in mind, because we've been doing hundreds of experiments on LinkedIn, what worked eight months ago doesn't work right now. What worked really well eight months ago, and there was even a comment about this, blank connection request, follow up, thanks for connecting. Or... Uh, yeah, you sort a of, great opener. How have you been? We dive yeah. in and have great conversations. Now people are like, what are you trying to sell me? Yeah, what are you trying to sell me? And it's like Literally a red nothing. flag. It's a mental spam filter. So one of my, <laughs> or yes. Oh the yeah, novel. the multi-scroller and you're like, oh. oh and here's novel. my link. So conveniently at the bottom that you're never going to look at anyways. But it's free. Yep. So here's what I want you to think about. There are three different tiers of users on LinkedIn. Tier one users, tier one profiles are people who are posting original content. Tier two profiles are people who are resharing content and liking, commenting, engaging. They're active, but they're not posting original content. And then tier three profiles are lurkers. They are people who don't post original content, people who don't reshare, they don't like, they don't comment, you never see them. The most that you'll ever see from a lurker is a profile view, which is an important intent trigger. Map out your lead lists to tier one, two, and three. Because this is where we can get really strategic. And it depends on, yes, it depends on the ACV you're trying to sell. If you're selling something pretty small, you have to run this more like a campaign. You have to be able to, you're not going to spend as much time per account doing this, but maybe mapping out the industry, mapping out the list of people. Because for your tier one profiles, I wouldn't recommend any direct outreach. Like they're posting original content. You can warm them up. You can warm them up by commenting. You can warm them up by sending interesting DM questions based on a post that they had. So like Nick this morning posted a great example about the tow truck that we brought up at the beginning of the live show. What I could do is if I wanted to sell to Nick is I would follow up. Uh, you know, sell to Nick is sort of in a broad strategic sense, not immediately, but I would follow up and send Nick a DM. I'd be like, Nick, that post today was freaking awesome. Do you have more resources 
that like talk about identifying triggers or Nick, you know, that post you this morning just so resonated with me because I've been struggling with this at my company. Who do you know, like could help solve some of those things? Kickstart that conversation. I don't know if I'm the tow truck or the car, but can you help me so people stop running away? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Or humor. You know, this, your post reminded me of this resource, you know, blog, article, whatever, that I saw the other day and check it out. Or, you know, I would love your thoughts on like, does this align with what you were talking about? Don't make it so professional, make it a casual conversation. But that's just for tier one. And it's a small percentage of people you're probably trying to sell to actually post original content. I just saw like a bunch of great questions. Yeah, questions. Do you want to just go and do your one, two, and three, and then I'll sure, we'll sure, go sure, into sure. there. And then I have, you gave me a good challenge, and I actually found three things to start conversations. Oh, cool. So those are tier ones. Tier twos are people who are liking and engaging. So tier ones are like 1% of your list, probably, small number. Tier twos are probably about 9-ish, 10-ish percent and of your list. Tier ones are not people resharing no, blankly. No, that's tier twos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, well, tier ones are like original content posters. They're trying. So on tier twos, what you can use a tier two profile to do is to do research about that person. What are they engaging with? What are they liking or commenting on? What are they resharing? And sometimes it leads to fruitful conversations. Other times it doesn't. And that's okay. It's better to know, right? So maybe they're commenting on a profile or an influencer that you both follow. Every week or something, they drop something. Okay, now I know. I'm going to search for that person in the comment section, respond to their comments, warm them up. Maybe they just like a bunch of stuff from their company. You're like, yeah, well, shit, not much to do there. Maybe we'll do something like how we would approach tier three with them. Maybe they only engage with stuff that's like job announcement focused. That's fine as well. But you're looking for how can I strategically engage with this person based on their existing engagement. That's tier two, to warm them up as well. Tier three is where it gets a little more fancy and fun. So I'll be honest with you, if you really, and I saw a comment about this, uh, like inbound leads are lurkers. If mo- And this is true, 90%-ish of profiles on LinkedIn are lurkers. They're people who will never like your comments or like your posts. They will never comment on your posts. They just kind of scroll, you know, that's all that I'm they the do. background and they're just consuming. They're just consuming. Yeah. So content is obviously a great way to nurture them. But this is where... LinkedIn's native intent data comes in handy because, for example, if you have premium, you have some profile view data. You can see who's viewing your profile. But if you have Sales Navigator, you can also set up a bunch of intent data triggers based on your saved accounts or saved leads. And this is where you can get really strategic and also automate the ways that you're engaging with tier threes, tier three lurkers. So, for example, in LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Let me see if I can... I'm just pulling up my notes because there's a lot here. Uh, If you have a lead, right? A lead was mentioned in the news. A lead posted something. A lead viewed your profile. Started a position at a new company. Whatever. You can use that data to prompt a conversation. Somebody visits your profile. Now, this is the thing where everybody gets super selly. And no, you want a good conversation starter, right? So... Hey, I just saw you looked at my profile. Yeah. So what? <laughs> like, great, I guess, you know? Yeah, dive a little bit deeper into think, why would they look at my profile? Mm-hmm. Did somebody call them? Did I send an email? And on LinkedIn, you can see if they found you from search. 
right? They'll add a little thing in your profile. Oh, you found from search or, you know, just viewed your profile directly or there's an interesting views filter. Think about using this data to construct that opener conversation. Hey, I saw you were, I saw you uh, stopped by from search. What were you searching for? I mean, that's rejected probably 50-50 because it's kind of like a mental spam filter. But then think even deeper. Maybe, okay, they're the right I've profile. I've used that one. I was like, I know Nicholas Thicket isn't the most common. Maybe you were just stuck in the thick of it. Ah! <laughs> and people will go in like, it's just something like to make them laugh and to get them talking. That's all it is. But Ooh, it's context. Yes. Whoa, I don't know what your camera's doing, but. Yeah, it was, it just glitched okay. out. So if you think about this, let me just give you an example. As you're using this platform to do direct outreach, imagine this. 40 days ago, okay, over a month, you had sent a blank connection request to some ICP buyer. Okay, it was accepted. You did nothing with it. You're just kind of, you know, they're a lurker. They're a tier three lead. You're not going to do a lot with them. You're not going to pitch them immediately. You haven't DM'd them or anything. But you've been posting content somewhat irregularly, and you've been engaging on the platform. And suddenly, the other day, that ICP buyer viewed your profile. That's a really interesting trigger for somebody on a social platform. And this is when you start using a lot of the uh, tools at your disposal of this data sources and using the platform as design where you're not just pitch slapping. You can create this, I'm going to use a fancy term, architecture of data. But basically, you can just create a lot of intent triggers, a lot of intent data natively to kickstart conversations. Because what people crave more often than not when somebody starts a conversation is context. Because Mm -hmm. if you ask a question out of context, people want to validate the context before they'll answer the question. Mm -hmm. Part of it is they want to answer the question properly. The other part is they're wondering if they need to at all. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the other thing is, well... I don't know. We should probably answer some questions that have been dropped into chat. Okay, let's do questions, and I'll dive into which one do you want to start with and dive into my three reasons to reach uh, out or my three. Choose. You want to do dealer's choice. Into, let's do this one first. So from Drew, in 2022 going into 23, do you think it's necessary to be making your own original posts at least once per week as a new salesperson? Yes. And I'll ask you this. Do you have an email sequence, and are you nurturing nurturing leads right now if you're nurturing leads then yes you're writing content if you're writing content take those figure out what is the trigger what does that persona specifically need to know before they'll want to book a meeting with you or buy Mm -hmm. and turn that into your own nurture content we can get we've talked about in other shows but basically when you shoot somebody a dm or the algorithm sees you interacting on linkedin they prioritize your content in feeds your top of feed top of mind so it's a natural nurture sequence where people are going for information if LinkedIn's a primary channel. So yes. Yeah, and the only little asterisk I'll add on that is if you're creating content to become a content creator, that's a very different play than creating content mm. to nurture leads. Yeah. Because if you're intentionally building your network, you're sending connection requests that are well-timed or that are blank, and you're interacting on the platform with active tier one and tier two profiles, you're naturally going to build a network that is an audience of prospects and leads. So who cares if you have only 1,500 followers or 1,500 connections? If 80% of them are high-value prospects or leads, then your content should nurture them on like a one-to-many nurture sequence. 
And we see this all the time with individual sellers, Nick, we work with, right? We know an SDR that has maybe 2,000 followers, but posts content that's good and the network is prospects and leads, and he gets inbound leads from those posts. inbound volume. And the funny thing is, it's usually from the posts that aren't don't perform well. Yeah. It's the ones that are super attention-grabbing that uh-huh. get people to realize that he exists, but it's the ones that are super deep that people that read through it, and it'll tag into some of the things I'm going to talk about later, but it's yeah. you're really challenging the way they look at the world, yep. where you're bringing in an insight that they never thought of, which is that inspiration, that motivation to reach out. And I will note, it's not always on LinkedIn. If you have a website in your featured, they'll go to your website and book a demo. (laughs) So you got to be careful that we're not just looking at, well, you know, they didn't come from LinkedIn. Uh, They probably could have. Yeah. Uh Danielle asks, how long do you warm up tier one? Or do you just warm up until they invite you in like the vampire sales rule? (laughs) Love it. So. Yep, Nick. Honestly, with a tier one and any account is 60 days. That is my timeline for any account that I give them. Because if I can't break in in 60 days, now is not the time. Yeah. And with the tier one, with me commenting, it's always less than two weeks that they start responding and we start to have conversations till I hit that rule of three. So I put a comment, they comment back, and we do that three times. Then I'll three shoot them a connection request. Mm-hmm. In that connection request is like a coffee shop get together. If they don't lean in, and start asking me really in-depth questions in the first 10 to 15 minutes, cut it off. Don't burn that bridge by trying yeah. to sell them something because they're not leaning in. You're not, they don't find it interesting enough. Find someone right. else. So 10 or 15 minutes is all I give it. And that can be over multiple conversations. Mm-hmm. But really, it happens fast. And if it doesn't happen fast, they're not ready because what you those discovery-style questions, those insights that you're diving into with your statements and questions are just not resonating. But if you keep that conversation alive, now they'll get prioritized in feed and they'll see your contents you can nurture. So it's quick. Yeah. I wouldn't, this is the one problem with sales. We chase accounts. uh, We just have a named list for no good reason other than we want to sell to them, Mm -hmm. not because they need us. Mm -hmm. We have a LinkedIn user question on the survey one. When I try to engage. Yeah. So apologies, your privacy settings don't let us see your name. But when I try to engage or open a conversation via a survey, no one ever answers their survey questions. Why? Even when the responses are ABC. I have a simple answer for this. You're making the prospect do work. Nobody likes to do work. And if it's a survey, the prospect presumes that you're going to try and pitch them based on the option that you're offering. Even if it's just an information gathering, right? People's mental spam filters are so strong on social that if you're offering any sort of passive open, oh, would choose your adventure sort of thing without a lot of humor, they're immediately going to put up the brick wall and they're going to be like, ah, he's going to pitch me and I'm not going to respond. So instead, I would open up a conversation using one of the survey responses, whatever they are, and say, hey, I was either chatting with somebody or does this resonate with you? Or I mean, there's so many ways, depending upon the industry you're in and who you're trying to talk to. But Nick? Oh, if he's talking about a LinkedIn or if they are talking about a LinkedIn poll, Mm. then what happens a lot of times people use that as lead gen and then they'll send people unsolicited DMs, but they're not compelling. They're not compelling conversations at all. They don't value their opinion. They're very one-sided and that's usually why it dies. So what I did is I kept playing with my opener, the first sentence. And so I'd be like, so interesting that you picked this. 
with your experience, I was expecting this. Mm. Could you explain that? Or could we dive into that? Love that trigger off of a pull response. And more than half the time, they're like, it's too long to explain in a message. <laughs> can we book a meeting? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, we can. <laughs> <laughs> can we put up Justin's comment first, Chris Bogue, and then we'll do the question there and then we can dive in. So Justin had commented he uses voice messages frequently, have way better response rate, and a ton more quality conversations. There's a very simple reason why, and it's tonality. It's really hard to read tone. But when it's also we can, not automated. And it's definitely not automated. It's a sign of life. <laughs> right. <there's, laughs> oh my God, he's alive. It's a real boy. And same thing with videos as well, right? Like something directly to the camera, TikTok style, or an audio message. The point of... You know, there's a lot of uh, people who sort of say, oh, this is how you should do prospecting. But it's like, uh, no, there's a reason you're using the voice message or the video message. And it's to provide emotion, emotional warmth, clarity, tonality to the way that you want to ask a question or offer a statement. It's like a cold call, right? You want that tonality to introduce them properly. Because if you just write a message, comparably, I've gotten pretty good about this. I think Nick is particularly good about integrating emojis and gifts in some of like the written stuff so you can get some of that same tonality and like you were talking with somebody but for me that's why voice messages work really well is that but like if you send a like let's not forget this if you send a voice message and it's just a pitch they're also going to be like no i don't want to talk to you so it still matters what you're saying it's just like an additional level okay now it's time for me to answer some to highlight the three most common that i use because morgan challenged me on this and i'm like (laughs) okay let me think about it so i came up with three that i use more often than not and these are Mm -hmm. my buckets problems mental model investment Mm. so what problems do i assume they have or can i find signs and symptoms of and reach out to get closer to the truth i'm confirming it's real Mm -hmm. mental model is a lot of time when i'm working an account i'll google that account or i'll put it in spotify or apple and see if somebody had been on a podcast. And I can either read through the notes or I can listen to the podcast if it's a good size account and challenge the way they look at the world. What is their point of view? How does that, are they talking about where they want to be in the next year or two, either individually or the company? Are they talking about how they view sales and marketing? Does it align with what we think? Does it align with the future that we think is going to be the most beneficial and open a conversation there? The last one is investment. So it's figuring out the flow of money to see what's important. What's a priority? Why are they investing into ads right now? That seems ridiculous. Why is their spend on human capital so high? I figured for a company that it wouldn't be on, it's not a service base. Why are they paying such high salaries? Or looking in like, well, that's interesting. Based on their investor report, they've invested in this software because they see this being a priority. But these are narratives. What you're doing is you're tapping into what's going on in their head to continue that conversation out in the wild. Whether, depending on how personal it is, I default to DMs. And this is why I would do a connect and pitch or use an invite. But because Mm. I set the context with an observation that I could take to court. (laughs) But seriously, think about it. Mm -hmm. What does that observation sound like? So like, I'll just be honest. A lot of people's observations are made up bullshit. It's something they have threw in there to try to have context, but it'd be like, hey, I just listened to your podcast episode on winning the challenger sale with Jen Allen. When Jen Allen asked you this question, it was so unbelievable 
that you went this angle and it threw me off because I was assuming you would go here. So where do you think the future of sales is going or why do you think that is a better route for discovery than medic or, but what you're doing is you're appreciating their knowledge by asking them a deeper question, not here, not here, but three levels or, or deeper because that is a conversation worth having mm-hmm. or, Hey, I was just on sales nav. And it shows that you guys just hired 30% more sellers. Is that true? Most of the time when I see companies doing this, top of line is a priority. But it's interesting because I don't see any sales intelligence software in your stack, which tells me, you know, you might be like everyone else wasting 30% of your time on leads that should have been never called at all. Something, right? You're, or, or just interested. I'm interested why, why you're hiring now in the downturn. Mm-hmm. You're testing an assumption by getting closer to the truth by reaching out. Mm-hmm. but it has to be context it has to be something that you can if they asked you where did you see that that you can prove it if you can't <laughs> prove it that's honestly unethical mm-hmm. and it's going to get you in trouble if not fired if not you're going to be chased out of the career mm-hmm. so just make sure you can back it up i'll add a fourth one. Oh, oh <laughs> dun, 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 it is basically using social to route bottom up into the account so if you think of tier one two three chances are the key person you actually want to get in front of is a tier three lurker. Like it's just by the numbers, that's what's going to happen most of the time. So I would take, I mean, you know, we sell into sales organizations, but if I was selling into finance organizations or I was selling into HR, whatever, whoever you sell into, I would find the people who are tier one and tier twos. And instead of trying to book a meeting with them, I would use the conversation to learn more about what's going on inside the account. What are those priorities? Doesn't require a meeting. I want to be Doesn't very re- clear. Yeah. Just because yes. companies put out stupid metrics around meetings hmm. doesn't mean it's when it comes to prospecting, all we're trying to do is get their mental model of the world to see mm-hmm. if this is priority one or two. Yep. And if they believe it to be true. Yep. You don't need a meeting to do that anymore. And most nope. millennial buyers don't want to see you or talk to you. They would <laughs> love to have a they would tell the whole world that you have a self-service model because they didn't want to work with a seller. Unless they needed tailoring, unless they needed customized solutions that took experience and expertise. Right. So what you're doing here is you're using the active profiles to learn more about what's going on inside the company. And this is, to me, these are the best conversations that I have. Because they love to complain. complain. We get to be generous. Right, we get to say, "Oh, really? Oh my gosh, that's crazy! Tell me more about this." Or, "Yeah, I just saw this news article about it. What's going on there?" Or, "I mean, have you tried this before?" Literally, you're not trying to sell anything. You're just trying to learn more about the account because then <laughs> you don't even have to send a pitch, a slap, or a connection request to the Lurker account. You just send an email or get an introduction. Or get it more so, often than not. Yes, they'll offer to make an introduction. Yeah. Or you can ask them because you've earned the right. Yes. So obviously the referral introduction is like the prime because that's the highest trust that you can get. That doesn't always happen. Some people are stuck in their own hidey holes of their divisions, especially at larger companies. But let's say you're selling some sort of data tool. And you know this guy, Matt, is a director of analytics there. He's a tier two person you've been chatting with. So potentially somebody you would work with, somebody, as Nick was saying, is impacted by this workflow. So you take the conversation, you just turn it into an email and you send it to the executive, right? 
So for example, this isn't the best email I've ever written, but this is just kind of off the top of my head. Something like, hey, Morgan, I was just chatting with your director of analytics, Matt. He mentioned, uh, we'll use us, Aligned rolled out a new BI system, like business intelligence system, that isn't working. And it's holding up your digital transformation strategy. We have a solution worth a chat. Something like that. Because that sort of context, again, back to the, the context building, is only possible by engaging with people at the company, having good conversations, and then turning it back around into outreach. And this is also why when people pitch slap, they forget to do the context building thing because you don't actually know if that company is, you might assume that they're in the right time and you might assume that they have the pain, but using social as designed to have good conversations allows you to research the account or research the industry more effectively. So then you can turn that back around into useful outreach. I have a hack for that. Go for it. So I go look at the manager director, I look at their job description. So I'll go find it, what it is currently, like what it could be as close to as what I can, what it'd be currently. And I look at what they're scored on. And so as I'm asking questions, I try to find something that they would find surprising that they don't already know mm. and say it in a way. I was like, it was interesting. I was talking to one of your reps and they were saying this is an issue. And like, then you don't name the rep mm -mm. or like, try to figure out what's important to them because they'll want to have that conversation. They'll want to hear that information and it'll like slingshot you into a process if you nail it. Because what you've done is you've built your business case. Oh, and they'll also tell you if you're wrong. <laughs> That's another hack that I've, mm -hmm. that I, I don't think people appreciate when you get something wrong, as long as you're using an unsure tone, which I got mm -hmm. from Will Allred and the Lavender team, and you're not, overly confident like you're coming across like i'm not sure if this is right if you're wrong they will actually tell you more with a missed guess than they would if even if you ask a good question because people love to correct people mm -hmm. if they feel like you care or care enough to listen so that's mm -hmm. another hack as you're going through this think about it like how can you get as close as possible that even if you're wrong that you've earned the right for them to correct you yeah exactly and this is also why I don't really find... Can I just confess something really quick? I think we've talked about this before, but I don't really find like teaching how to do pitch slaps or teaching how to do connection requests all that interesting because there's so much strategy that determines... It's a tactic. It's just one... There, LinkedIn on LinkedIn, you can comment, you can connect, you can send DMs, you can attend events like these, you can share stuff with people freely, you can post content. You can use Sales Navigator to research accounts. You can do all of these things without ever sending a pitch. And so the question is, back to full circle, why now? Why and why this person? Because ultimately, it's just a tactic. It's just one thing of many that you could do. And so you have to answer, why this channel? Why now? Right? Why this message? And taking those things it opens up the world. You don't have to send a pitch slap. You could just, if they're a tier one person, as, as we were outlining earlier, just comment on a bunch of their stuff. That's the tactic to get in front of them. If they're a lurker, use your content to warm them up on a one-to-many nurture sequence and then use intent data to prompt a conversation. Oh, hey, looks like you stopped by my profile looking for anything in particular. And Chris nailed it. This is the, what the hardest part to navigate is going from comments, connections to DMs and having mm -hmm. really good DMs. Well, most people start with an introduction. And oh, like what Chris had mentioned is that you got to start in the middle. 
And so when you're talking to a friend, you don't go, hey, Morgan, you know, we both work at Aligned and I, I really like this B2B power or other than this marketer that has strange opinions on the world. <laughs> you go way deep. You're like, it's really interesting at the B2B power hour that you guys haven't covered this. Yeah. I figured that would be like big based on what you guys do. Why not? Like, well, it shows that you're paying attention, mm-hmm. which is important to me is I'd want to make sure that the audience is getting value from it. Mm-hmm. And if they found something we missed, be like, tell me more. Right, because a couple of, and oh God, I was about to say sins. And I was like, what are we in Catholic school? But uh, mistakes that <laughs> sellers make when they send a connection request, when they send an email or they send a DM, they say, hey, Nick, I'm Morgan Smith. And it's like, yeah, I know. Your yeah. face and your name, name is attached right <laughs> to everything you send me. You don't need to do that. Hey, I'm Morgan Smith. I'm a managing partner at Align. I don't care. And also, I could find that out on my own. I just click your profile and I'd learn that. Oh, look, you're an SDR at this company. Oh, look, you're an AE at this company. Okay, sure. What's interesting to me, the buyer, and what is interesting to your prospects is, why are you talking to me? Is it, and this is all the mental spam filters, because if you, and I get some of this, oh gosh, sins of the seller is my new tagline. No, thank you. Preaching the sins of the seller. (laughs) Preaching the <laughs> or exercising the oh gosh. Anyways, the problem that we make is like we have these your prospects have these mental spam filters. And so by starting because of automation tools, the competitive noise. Think about this. Part of your outreach is also helping you differentiate from your competitors and differentiate from other people who use the platform. So if you're going and this is why once again, voice messages and video messages work really well, not just because not a lot of people use it but it's clearly personal. It's clearly not automated. So in that competitive noise, starting, hey, Nick, I'm Morgan Smith. I'm a managing partner at Aligned. And I wanted to ask you if this was a priority for you. I'm not going to respond to that. I mean, like, if the seller sends me that... Ask me because you sent me a message. I figured that's who you are because it's right there. Yeah. So honestly, save yourself. Just go and reread it and remove the so what. Mm-hmm. And then prioritize conversations over conversions first, because they will they go hand in hand. But if you default to conversations first, you'll win. And always prioritize having a the think about it from the tow truck example. Mm-hmm. If you have to go direct, there's a good reason to. What would they thank you for? And this is even uh, Chris had dropped a good comment about like if you're talking about what's already on their mind, you're relevant instead of talking about what you do. I want to go a level deeper on this because it's true. All of my conversations, and Nick, I believe this is true for you too, but I don't want to speak for you. All of my conversations with prospects are about the problem. Yeah. The problem that they're experiencing. I don't care if they, like, sure, we sell stuff, obviously. I don't, but I have removed and detached myself from that outcome. As uh, Josh Brown was on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he says, your goal is to search for the truth. What's the truth? What's the truth? Are they actually experiencing this problem? How severe is it? Is it the right time? All these things. Actually having a conversation about that without any sense of what I do, what I sell, I'm trying to pitch, I'm trying to drive them to a meeting. Be like, wow, yeah, have you tried this before? Or hey, this, I mean, I'm just throwing out a bunch of examples here. But yeah, I just read this article from whatever blog. And uh, you should check it out. Here you go. This could help. Dropping little value deposits, doing generosity, right? Or 
yeah, you know, I see this a lot with sales directors like yourself. It just is so hard to like get the workflows right. And I'm sure you're probably balancing a lot of channel development and you're trying to get them on email as much. How's that going? Continuing to talk about the problems, their workflows, what's on their mind, being genuinely interested. Because I am interested. Because if they, here's the thing. If they're not in the right time and they're not experiencing the pain, then it is a, frankly, waste of my time to even try and book a meeting with them or even try and qualify them as a deal because they're not going to book the meeting or they're going to be resistant to it or they're going to be guilty about it. And then they don't become qualified pipeline anyways. So what? Amen. (laughs) But this is honestly why I just don't go direct that often. Mm -hmm. I'd rather prioritize indirect methods. I'd rather nurture through content because this is our superpower as sellers using social is we now don't have to go one-to-one. We can go one-to-many to open up doors we didn't even know were open. Right. And it allows people to find the way that's naturally the best for them, but also allows us to prioritize the people that genuinely need us instead of just hacking our way through a list. Yeah. And I really want to thank all of the YouTube viewers. Now that we told everybody that it's out there, there's, there's quite <laughs> a few guys, and I appreciate that you got in the comments as well. So thank you. You guys don't know, B2B Power Hour has a YouTube page that is really easy to find the videos. If you want to go and refer them to your friend, I've been doing that as well. Or the rewatch podcast them. comes a little bit later. Yeah. Uh-huh. And anything you want to add, Morgan? Or let me just uh, close off. Thanks everyone for joining today. I know we covered a lot of ground about direct outreach. This is one of those where I feel it's a lot like, it's like cooking. How's this for an analogy? It's like, you know, you need to create a dish but the way that you chop the pepper can be done like 20 different ways. So we've tried to outline a few of the different ways that you'd actually go around direct outreach. And I hope that it was useful. There's also a lot more. (laughs) So if you want more, you should DM us and be like, hey, what do you want? Like, we want more examples of conversations or or we need more information on this. (laughs) What do you want? (laughs) Either drop it in the comments, send us a DM. These B2B power hours continue to go because of you all and continue to show up. And we'd love to create content that answers questions that you have. So just if you got questions that you want us to answer, let us know. What do you want? And Nick, you want to close us out? It's 2022, guys. It is no longer acceptable to suffer in silence. If you feel like you don't have the support you need from your company or you're the first hire at a startup and you just... There's so much that you're trying to tackle by yourself or you work at a big company and you're struggling because you're not getting the coaching and training, reach out. We just want to help you guys succeed. We want to see you appreciate the profession that we love. Mm -hmm. You don't have to buy anything. Just shoot us a DM and comment and let us know. And I want to say thank you to those that have. It means a lot to know that you trust us and that you keep coming back. So thank you very much. Did you love today's episode? Subscribe now to have our three weekly episodes waiting for you. And if you really like our content, please leave a five-star review. But if you're not ready to give us a review, check out another episode and follow us on LinkedIn. We'd love to win you over. See you next time. See you next time.